Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Thanks for joining me for the Kent Online podcast on Wednesday, December the 9th. And we're not going to start today with talk of coronavirus, but something we probably expected to be hearing about a lot more this year. And we would have done had the pandemic not happened. Yes, it's Brexit. Just a quick recap for you. The UK left the EU at the end of January, but we've had a transition period to get in place arrangements for trade. That transition period ends in just 22 days time, but there's still no agreement on how things will work. And why are we so interested in Kent? Well, we're home to two of the busiest cross-channel trade routes, the Port of Dover and Eurotunnel at Folkestone. Any changes to how traffic can flow between here and Europe could lead to significant delays on our roads, like what we've been seeing on the M20 over the past couple of days, just queues and queues of lorries. Well, one of the main sticking points in the talks between Boris Johnson and the European Commission is actually over fishing. It's one of the UK's and indeed Kent's most traditional industries. And many say Brexit will give British fishermen their waters back and allow them to increase how much they catch. The EU, however, still wants access for its boats. Well, we've been chatting to John Nicholl, who's head of the Thanet Fishermen's Association. We are the last of the hunters, the fishermen are the last of the hunters. You go out and seek your prey and you can't see it, but you fish for it. And at the same time, it is a particular special way of life. But we are farmers of the sea. By virtue of the fact that we have quotas to fish to, we can't overfish the stocks. And we are farmers. Now, if we had the same opportunity as farmers, that would be absolutely great. So if we are able to take back control of our fisheries. If we are able to expand our fisheries in the near future by growth, with youngsters coming in, we also would like to see the same support that the farming industry gets, you know, in subsidies and also in grants for new equipment, new boats, new engines to upgrade because we are a very, very aging fleet due to, once again, the fact that there hasn't been the opportunity to expand. I think it's totally unacceptable that anyone can go to sea on their own. It's still the most dangerous um, industry in the UK, pro rata to the number of people that are in it with loss of life and injury. Um, You shouldn't be taking 20, 30 tonnes of boat to sea or a small boat or any boat come to that matter on your own to fish commercially with miles and miles of nets or pots or trawls or heavy equipment that's on these boats. You know, you're trying to drive a boat, you're trying to work machinery hydraulic machinery which will at an instant take your life it's totally unacceptable but we have to go to sea and fish alone because lack of management looking after our position and the quota that we've got to fish um, in such a dangerous industry fishing is feast and famine you have good days you have bad days 
But if you average it out across the year, it could be exceptionally good if you had slightly more quota, slightly more opportunity, um, a bit more backing from the government um, when it comes to um, grants. I don't say we want subsidies like the uh, farmers get, but grants for um, new equipment and that. It is out there, but it's so small and it's extremely, extremely difficult to get. There's a fantastic opportunity, not only for the fishing industry, for other offshore development, should we take back control of our waters. And let's hope, you know, the Prime Minister and um, the other ministers who represent us um, are strong enough to hold on to that. I think they, I think they are 90%. I do think there'll be a little bit of give and take, but I am really, really hopeful but it will happen. The Prime Minister and European Commission President are due to meet for talks in Brussels this evening. The German Chancellor, meantime, has also said today the EU is prepared to live with a no deal if Brexit trade negotiations aren't successful. We will, of course, keep you updated on those negotiations and you can read the very latest by scrolling to the national news pages of kentonline.co.uk. Also on this subject, Kent School has already said it's going to stay closed for the first two days of next term because of Brexit. Pupils at Maidstone Grammar will learn from home on January the 4th and 5th as potential delays at the border could cause traffic problems on the M20 after that transition period ends. The head teacher says they need to assess the impact and adapt to any disruption. Kent Online News. Other top stories today, and we will now talk about coronavirus because it's emerged two Kent hospitals have been dropped from the initial list of vaccination hubs across the country. Dartford's Durham Valley and Medway Maritime in Gillingham had originally been included to administer the jab before revised plans were issued by NHS England. A spokesman for NHS Kent and Medway says the vaccine will still be delivered at those hospitals when they receive supplies in later phases of the rollout. Covid testing capacity in Kent meantime is going to be expanded this month to hopefully allow people to visit loved ones in care homes at Christmas. There are plans to introduce devices which allow for asymptomatic checks for visitors and staff across the county by the 21st of December. Also news today that a mass Covid testing site is going to open on Sheppey next week. It'll be in the Sheerness East Working Men's Club. Four sites are already up and running in Medway. They're the two areas currently with some of the highest rates in the country. And it's the final day for students in Kent to go home for Christmas. They've been given a two-week window to make arrangements following negative COVID tests. Universities are being encouraged to stagger the return of students in the new year and still offer online learning. Kent Online reports. A man in his 30s has died after his van crashed with a lorry on the M20 near Hythe. It happened on the London-bound stretch at Junction 11 last night. The road was closed for around nine hours and investigators are keen to speak to any witnesses. A killer nicknamed Ghost has been jailed for at least 35 years after murdering a Bromley dad for his £5,000 Rolex. 31-year-old Danny Pierce was stabbed by two men on a moped while walking in Greenwich in 2017. 
A Dartford man is already serving life in prison but had refused to name his accomplice. 23-year-old David Egan from Deptford has now been caught and locked up. Now, a Maidstone teenager who'd made his first million before doing his GCSEs has been chatting to the Kent Online podcast about moving to America to expand his business. Elliot Padfield is only 17 but is already an award-winning business consultant and public speaker. At the start of this year, he left school, Maidstone Grammar, early and moved to Florida to concentrate on his marketing firm. He's one of the world's few self-made teen millionaires and he's been speaking to our reporter, Katie Heslop. Everything that I see from companies and corporate structures to um, marketing, whatever it might be, but I'm always interested in how all of the pieces fit together to run such a huge machine. And for me, big companies that employed thousands of people were a great, great inspiration because each individual person has this role that makes this huge company operate. And that was always fascinating to me. So when I was 15, um, I, I decided this is what I want to do. I want to do something like this. Um, and, you know, I was looking for different inroads in the industry um, and, you know, technology and marketing and everything along those lines seemed to be a really good fit for my skill set. Um, so I started a digital marketing agency, um, which started, you know, started small. I would do basic work competing on freelance websites. We're talking, you know, web design, maybe some Facebook ads, that kind of thing. Small, small scale stuff. And, and then as I got... while you were at school then? Yes, very much so. A lot, most of my journey has been at school. I only actually finished school, uh, left school at the start of this year. I left in February. Um, so everything that I've done since then has, has been like that. So, you know, th- th- that's where it all started. And then over time, I got more work and I started subcontracting things out. And then I was like, OK, I want to open up my first permanent office and get some real employees. And that was, that's a big milestone for any entrepreneur. Um, and then from there, that expanded. Um, uh, over the years that had changed multiple times uh, we're now actually an intelligence and security consulting firm uh, it seems like a bizarre transition but there is logic behind that um, and, and yeah I mean that's the story of my first company and I think it, it's been one that has taught me a lot and to be honest I think for me that has been the best way to learn by actually getting stuck in and figuring things out as I go along. So it's been a whirlwind two years because you're only 17 now. Um, and can you just take me back? So when you were starting this business, was it just from uh, your bedroom? Was it, you know, where were you doing all this? <laughs> yes, it, it is. It is the traditional story of starting it from my bedroom. Uh, I mean, we've scaled massively. I, I've, I've been through three different companies and, and different uh, services that we've been offering through that time. But yeah, I mean, it started in my bedroom. Uh, we now have offices worldwide. Uh, I'm actually just about to sell that company to move on to some new projects, um, w- which are very exciting. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a busy two years. Oh, it certainly has. And what did you think? I mean, how did you balance doing all this with your with your schooling? Uh, well, that's the question that sometimes I still wonder how to answer. Um, I mean, it, it remains a mystery to me. I think it has just been um, over the years, it's shifted. To begin with, schoolwork was my priority and business was a, a sideline. It was a hobby. And then over time, as I became more successful, I realized that there needed to be more of a balance. So sometimes certain pieces of schoolwork or certain pieces of revision had to be put on the back burner so I could have a client meeting with a client. And actually, that was one of the big decisions that led led me to leave school at the start of this year early uh, and move to the US because it was getting to the stage, actually, where I was having to dedicate all my time to my work. And I realized, actually, I'm not achieving my full potential at school. So there's not much point in doing this. Wow, it's fascinating. And, and so when you'd have these meetings with people, how did they react to the fact that you were a teenager? 
Um, I mean, certainly with the industry I was in, it's a traditional industry and, you know, you, you, you get the faces of surprise. And even to this day, I, I still get that. But I think the biggest thing that you learn in business is that people are only worried about the value that you can provide to them. And my reputation has been building over time. People know who I am and the results that I get. And equally, I'm confident that when I walk in and work with a client, they are going to walk out with more value than they started. And actually, that is all that 99% of people worry about. The rest is just a facade where people have that initial shock. But it's, it's all about the value that you provide. You can also watch more of our chat with Elliot at kentonline.co.uk. A teenage boy who started fires at two sitting-born schools, threatened to stab a pupil and attacked a police officer, has avoided being locked up. The 14-year-old, who we're not allowed to identify because of his age, caused more than £17,000 worth of damage at South Avenue Primary and Sunnybank Primary. A magistrate's given him a one-year referral order so he can try to improve his behaviour. Clinics for children in Kent who've missed out on having the flu vaccine are being put on between now and Christmas. Extra weekend and evening facilities will be running for 4 to 11-year-olds who haven't had the nasal spray. It's thought around 51,000 children in the county haven't had the vaccination at school this year, either because they were isolating or parents didn't give consent in time. A former Hollyoaks and EastEnders actor has revealed how an addiction clinic in Kent saved his life. David Easter turned to Kenwood Trust in Yielding after battling drug and alcohol addiction for most of his adult life. He's now become patron of the charity where he spent three months in rehab and finally a pretty incredible story today a key to a 900 year old tower in Westmoreland has been returned almost 50 years after it went missing it was sent in the post with an anonymous note saying it had been borrowed back in 1973 and there was an apology included for the delay in sending it back or well, English Heritage who managed St Leonard's Tower want to thank the person who returned it with a gift of membership Samantha Stones is from the charity. I'm very intrigued to find out why they wanted it in the first place. Did they used to visit St Leonard's Tower? Was it one of the you know, popular sites, their local sites? Did they often visit? Have they ever visited? Um, we know from the postmark that they are not local anymore. So we know that they've moved on and yeah, they've looked after it all this time. You know, we care for properties across the country and um, we would like to reward this dedication to. It's an 11th century Norman tower. Um, it's actually a bit of a mystery itself. It's a ruin now, um, so it has no roof, um, but the tower doesn't have any fireplaces, it doesn't have any latrines, um, and we have very little evidence um, to tell us what actually happened at the tower, why it was built, what it was used for. We assume it was built by the bishops of Rochester for administrative purposes, so nobody lived in it. Um, but we don't know much about it. So this mystery is very much in keeping uh, with the tower's history. Um, we did change the locks quite a long time ago. So um, whilst the key does fit in the keyhole, it's not the current lock. I'm afraid. So um, our security has improved over the last 47 years. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham are out of the EFL trophy after losing 2-0 at Cambridge United. The League Two side scored a penalty midway through the second half and later added the winner. Jules manager Steve Evans says some of his players didn't work hard enough. Here's what he had to say to us after the game. Yeah, I don't think there was much between the sides in the first half. I think it was 
cancelling each other out. I think second half they were, they wanted to win more, didn't they? Sharper to the ball, win more of it, created chances. Could have been a lot more, to be honest. Um, too many players didn't perform in the second half. Didn't work as hard as it's their opposite number on the Cambridge team second half. And if you don't work hard, then you're going for a long evening. It was it was a long evening towards the end. Unbelievable out the competition, to be honest. I'm pleased. I wish Cambridge United all the very best in it. They're a good club and they've they've been as strong as they could be tonight. And good luck to them in the competition. We've got such a small squad, we don't make it up when we're here with, with four on the bench. Um, so we're, we, the other side of the coin is players have had opportunities tonight to, to stand up and show that they could, they could be in our team. And some of, them are, some of them have worked hard and five or six others have dragged them to the floor. So, um, yeah, so we just go on with it and prepare as best we can for Saturday. We have a lot of injuries and a lot of situations that will hopefully clear up for us. That side enough was good enough to beat Cambridge tonight, but you have to match their effort and commitment and passion and want to win. We didn't. You can see what it meant to the Cambridge lads. I mean, they're all shouting and bawling and screaming and singing as they got the tunnel. And, and credit to them. Credit to them. I've, I've got nothing but praise for a team that's got that attitude. I wish one of those two did in that pitch tonight, but they'll find themselves at the club soon. We've got real worries about Samuel, real worries about Dempsey. We've got McGomerell, we had Mellisell. You know, we had Eccles, who was obviously suspended for tonight. So we... Not that, you know, certainly three or four, three out there's four that I mentioned in terms of illness or carrying up wouldn't have been involved anyway. We wouldn't have played them here tonight regardless of numbers. Um, we couldn't even call up some of the youth players because they've just returned um, after a, a scare with COVID. So, and they've just been isolated for 14 days, the young players and the staff. So we've had to come and fulfil the fixture and, and we've done it, but we'll, we'll try and prepare now. For, for what was important to us, which is League One. And the Jills are back in League One action this weekend when they travel to take on Doncaster Rovers. Well, that's it for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app, which will give you access to all of KM Group's newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.